You know, they say that every 17 years, the cicadas that have been hiding in the ground all pop up and then they flourish for a while and then they hide again. You know what I'm talking about? Well, the same thing is true in the world of nutrition, except it's not cicadas, it's the low carb diets. It started out as Atkins and then it was something else, South Beach,、uh, now it's keto diets. Everyone is saying, okay,、uh, you got to avoid. Carbohydrate because they cause weight problems, they cause diabetes, they cause all kinds of things. And they're just like the cicadas, they kind of come and they go. And, and、uh, what's the truth? Well, today we've got Susan Levin, who is going to join the weight loss champion Chuck Carroll to talk all about what you need to know about carbs. Now, carbs, it's a huge group. It includes fruits, it includes starchy vegetables, grains, beans, all kinds of stuff. And they just happen to have some starch or some natural sugars in them. And that's what we call carbohydrate.、Um, one other thing before we get started, it's important to remember that your body runs on glucose. Glucose comes from carbs, so there's something good in there. All right, we're going to talk about that. Also, today we're going to have part two of Chuck's interview with Dotsie Bausch. She is the inspirational woman who completely changed her life. She pulled herself out of a dark spot and switched to a completely plant based diet, won an Olympic medal. So here's Chuck. Thank you, Dr. Barnard. You know, last show when we began our interview with Dotsie Bao, she was sharing her struggles with an eating disorder.、Uh, she wound up in a very bad place, nearly died, fought hard to survive. So she started to pull herself up, get back on track. And as she's doing this, she has an epiphany. The epiphany, of course, that she can no longer eat animal products. So she switches to a vegan diet. She takes up cycling as part of her therapy on that road to recovery. And the next thing you know, she's on an Olympic podium with a medal proudly hanging from her neck. Quite the story. That's part one. But today we pick up where we left off, and we're going to talk about her Switch for Good campaign. She's now teaming up with other athletes to talk about the dangers of dairy. She said she got inspired by seeing other Olympians endorse milk. During the Olympic trials a few years ago. That's a no no because she knows how poisonous dairy can be. So now she's teaming up with these other athletes to share the truth. And they had a big coming out with the Switch for Good campaign. During the Olympic closing ceremonies, a commercial featuring seven, a commercial featuring seven Olympians actually aired that night. But she says it was just the beginning. So we're going to talk all about that. But we start with the fun stuff. Because Dotsie's not a road cycler, she's not pedaling down the street. She hops on her trusty steed indoors on a crazy looking track. I'm telling you, if you've never seen this thing, you're missing out. It looks almost like an amusement park ride. It is huge. We're talking about steep banking with walls in the turns that are two or three stories high, just enormous. So sit back, relax, enjoy part two of this interview, learn a little bit about cycling. And then in about 15 minutes, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of carbohydrates with Barnard Medical Center dietitian Susan Levin. But now, part two of our conversation with Dotsie. You know, it's so interesting. You know, I've talked to 
athletes from all different sports. I've spoken with football players, wrestlers, even NASCAR drivers, people that have adopted these plant-based diets, and they all, just like you, have this unique insight on how that diet uh, improved their performance in that specific sport. Like, it, it's just fascinating to me the science mm -hmm. behind it have have you had an opportunity to, to speak with athletes in other sports about you know specifically like wow okay if th this is a basketball player like man i've seen like another three inch uh gain in my vertical yeah i have and, and the recovery you know aspect and conversation comes off comes up probably most often there's there's other areas uh you know, uh, mental clarity and better explosiveness and more endurance and things like that. The recovery conversation comes up all the time. And uh, especially for a little bit older athletes, you know, decreasing that inflammation, which is exactly what happens when you take out meat and dairy in your joints and your tendons and, and uh, you know, so your knees, elbows, shoulders, ankles, those, those places in our body, which I think is amazing because it transfers over very well to just the general population that, you know, maybe aren't elite athletes and maybe they're recreational athletes or maybe they're not, you know, athletes at all. Maybe they do, you know, power walk three times a week or something like that. But that same feeling transfers over uh, to just decreased inflammation um, is really where mo a lot, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of our chronic pain comes from in, in our society. Yeah. So, you know, that recovery aspect is, is it's true for everyone. Yeah, I remember um, just before the football season ended, I was talking to a player here at the uh, football team here in Washington, and uh, he's a starter. I mean, he played almost every snap of the season, and it's week 16, mm -hmm. and, you know, everybody else in the locker room is walking around like they're the walking dead, you know, it's like... I just I feel horrible for these guys. They're so beaten up and they're bruised. And I'm talking to this guy, mm -hmm. DJ Swearinger is his name. And like, he's just as fresh as a daisy. And he's like, this is because of my diet. And he's talking about reduced inflammation, the uh, better recovery time. And he's just like, and the mental clarity as well. Like he just feels great. And so it kind of like makes me wonder, well, you know, why aren't more athletes adopting this? And I know that you're still a commentator now. You're still around the sport. Do you get an opportunity to talk to current writers about maybe uh, exploring a plant-based diet? Yeah, I get, you know, I, 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 I talk about it mostly if people are inquisitive. You know, I've found that, you know, just placing it on people, that's when they clam up, then you kind of see their, you know, their face, their face, you know, get tense and like, ah, yeah. here she comes. I've definitely mm -hmm. learned over the years, but um, <clears throat> I'm getting so much more, uh, you know, in inquisitive people, uh, randomly, you know, not just when I'm in and around it, but, um, you know, via Instagram or, or on email, um, that are just asking a couple, you know, sort of top level questions. And, and so they're, they, they want to start the journey and say, okay, let me just try this and this and see how that goes. And they really want to you know, really pay attention. There's one um, triathlete, um, Ironman triathlete, his name is Joe Gambles, and he's um, he's an Aussie guy, and he's been vegetarian his entire life, never had, you know, he grew up that way, has never had meat. But within the last year, um, because of our conversations, um, he has gone uh, vegan, but he did it really very smart, where he took out one aspect of dairy at a time, so that he could really see what's affecting what, 
how his training was being affected, his recovery, how his numbers were on his wattage meter, on his bike. I mean, he was really scientific about it. You know, he, he drank some dairy to go with some of his protein shakes. He was, you know, drinking whey protein as well in his shakes. Um, he ate some cheese sometimes and some yogurt sometimes. So he took them out one by one. Mm-hmm. And that was a really great experiment. You know, all the, you know, if it's, if it's purely ethical, people just kind of are like, I, I, you know, they just stop overnight, right? Because it's just, but his, I, I love the way that he did it because it really proved to him and then in, in his followers and who he's speaking to, um, wow, what a transformation taking yeah. that, taking the dairy out. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, are we going to see you at the 2020 games? Is is that uh, been set in stone yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you might see me in, in, as a fan in the stand. <laughs> No, oh, I, I don't mean as a competitor. No, I meant as a commentator. You silly goose. Oh, okay. I was like, wow. He's like the, the oh, that would really be um, up there, right? It'd be like grandma with a cane trying to get up on the podium. Um, oh, you, you know, we'll see. That's yeah. a story. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, true. <laughs> That's true. Which yeah. I would do anything for the plant based movement, but um, yeah, no, I would love to be. So yeah, we'll see. Um, track cycling, you, you start on the road, but then you, you go to uh, the team pursuit on the track and get an opportunity to watch that. I love the Olympic channel. Like they, they throw all these sports on there that you, you otherwise wouldn't see. And the high banking yeah. on these tracks, it just fascinates me. And I would think as a rider, like that just has to be a blast. But then like the nerd in me, Dotsie, I'm like thinking, okay, well, at Daytona, I know that the the banking is like this is where I get super nerdy. The banking is thirty one degrees, and and the actual height of the turn is like thirty feet high. So I'm wondering, like, what's the banking on the on the uh, on the track there, and how high is that actual turn? You know, is it ten feet? Is it twenty feet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our banking is forty four degrees. Um, and it's, a two, you know, all competition, like world-class competition tracks are 250 meters. So pretty tight, you know, obviously way tighter than a track, um, you know, a race car track. Sure. Um, so, oh gosh. And I don't, I don't know exactly the, the vertical feet. I just know the banking. It, it feels like it's like four stories. I mean, it's, if you're at the top, very top of the track, riding up on the rail, um, you know, it, it looks like you're looking out of a four story building if you look down, which I don't suggest looking down because <laughs> that's just really, it's very frightening. It's still, you know, honestly, it's, it, 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 it scared me through the entire, my entire track career. My teammates made fun of me all the time. But most of them grew up on the track. So they were used to it. But like you said, I came from the road and that's honestly what attracted me to it. Like I was getting, you know, when I, I, I was 35 and I was kind of, thinking about retiring from the road I had um I felt satisfied with what I had accomplished and I was getting kind of bored um and I I tried the track and it was exhilarating and a lot of fun like you said but it's scary and it scared me till the last day I rode on it um it's uh but that's what drew me in you know is there's something just so incredible about being scared (laughs) that makes you feel so alive uh, and, and that, that, that certainly did. And just to kind of conquer that as well, you know, uh, in a way to where you can turn that fear into exhilaration and power, 
was 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 awesome. But um, you have to go a certain speed on the track, or I, you will slide down. I was, I was, will slide I was just going to say, I was just going to say, you need to have that certain amount of momentum, otherwise you you will start sliding down that forty foot wall. So how yeah. how much speed are you carrying into the turns yeah. there? Well, I mean, racing. We're, I mean, we uh, we averaged almost sixty k an hour in the Olympic race, so you know, fast. But when you're just riding, let's say you're just you're just warming up, you, you've got to keep it over um, at least ten miles an hour, or you're going to slide. Mm. You know, it, and 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 again, it it also depends on the weight of the rider because the heavier the rider, the stickier you you are. <laughs> um, so if you're lighter rider. Um, you, you have to go a bit faster than, than, than a heavier rider. So, you know, but you, you definitely, you, you can't just kind of like, you know, you know, daydream and, and, and ride around slow cause you'll, you will slide down. So you have to keep, keep the pedals moving. All right. So 60 K for us non-metric folks, I did a quick Google. That's 37 miles an hour. That's, that's pretty quick. You know, that'll get you a speeding ticket in a residential area. Um, before we uh, wrap up here, and it, it has been an absolute joy here, um, I know a while back you wrote an open letter to uh, the Papa John CEO, what is it, John Shatner, and you were encouraging him to um, include on the menu pizza with vegan cheese. I know their crust, their sauce is vegan, but they don't have the vegan cheese yet. So right. has there been any movement yet? Is, is Papa John's entertaining the idea of joining a few other chains that already offer that? Well... So very shortly after that um, was when the um, you know NFL was was dealing with the um, you know the on their knees right right situation I won't go in, into it but it, so he made some um, really strong comments about that and it turned really negative to where he had to step down from the board of directors. So anyway, so that 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 was put that campaign was put on hold. Uh, I think we'll return to it, um, but it just it, unfortunately it was just ugh, the timing was a bummer that yeah. it happened that way because we were I feel like we were I was doing that with um, in conjunction with Compassion Over Killing, yeah. um, nonprofit. Right? So anyway, so um, hopefully we'll be able to return to that. But but one thing that's very positive on another note, like you said, we'll turn happy earlier, um, is uh, Veg Week is coming up April 16th through the 22nd. And I do that in conjunction with Cash Compassion Over Killing, as do other um, athletes and influencers and such. So that's something to get really excited about, because if you sign up, um, you know, you do it for a week and, you know, nobody's going to kill kill over from not eating <laughs> animal products for a week. It's such a fun start into um, a vegan lifestyle because you're so supported all week long um, with information and recipes and a community. So that's something for people to think about, to share with uh, with their friends and family if they just want to kind of say, okay, let's just gonna do a jump start and see what it feels like for a week. And so you've got Veg Week, and I know that there are a couple other projects that you're involved in, um, including the Game Changers film. I know that our own uh, medical director up at the Barnard Medical Center, Dr. Jim Loomis, he's involved in that, but you are as well. Talk to me a little bit about uh, being involved in that film. Yes, it's been, it's been such a pleasure to get to know uh, Dr. Loomis, uh, which I don't think I would have had the chance to. Um, we got to spend uh, the whole week at Sundance Film Festival because the Game Changers got selected into Sundance, so that was a blast. Uh, but yeah, so the Game Changers is, 
Um, well, it, it traverses the story of James Wilkes, who um, is a special forces trainer, um, and he was he won the uh, I think season nine of the Ultimate Fighter. Um, and he, uh, he got injured, uh, later in his career and, um, started doing, um, a ton of research on how he could recover the quickest. And he comes upon a plant-based diet, um, because he comes upon a, um, a research study, uh, that was done on the Roman gladiators, uh, bones, which I won't tell you how that unfolds because you've got to see the movie. Okay. Um, so he starts to travel the world on this quest. For the truth, um, and, and behind the world's most, um, you know, what the film says, and, and I believe too, is the world's most dangerous myth, which is that you need meat for protein and strength and endurance, and you know, to be optimally healthy. Uh, so he meets um, like a lot of elite athletes, um, even special ops soldiers, um, you know, scientists, doctors, doctors, um, cultural icons. Arnold Schwarzenegger is in the movie, and Wow, he's incredible in it. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's all about James's discovery as he changes his relationship with food and learns from all of these people. But it's it's directed by Louis Fusilos, who directed The Cove and won the Academy Award for Best Director in two thousand nine for for The Cove. Uh, and and uh, it's it's a, it's an it's an extraordinary uh, quest and and journey. And I I'm excited for it to come out. It should it should be released you know, the summertime, maybe early to midsummer. Uh, so, yeah, I hope everybody will be excited to see it when it comes out. I think it's going to be hopefully a real, um, you know, game changer for, for people to, to make a, a switch to a plant-based diet. Yeah, pardon the pun. And then, uh, of course, uh, the Switch for Good mm-hmm. campaign, uh, you're tapping into your Olympic resources, and you've gotten a number of other Olympians on board. And this was really exciting to see those advertisements um, during the Olympics this year. Talk to us a little bit about that campaign as well before we wrap up here. Yeah, sure. Okay, well, wait, qu- kind of quickly, um, uh, it's, it's Switch for Good with the number four, so switchforgood.org. Um, um, but it really, it was born out of, um, uh, an inspiration. I was sitting on the couch and I was watching Olympic trials and I saw the, the dairy commercial come up, um, that uses, uh, Olympic athletes and says, you know, nine out of 10 Olympians grew up drinking milk. Um, and that it has, you know, uh, balanced nutrients and natural proteins and, you know, BS, BS. So I just got. I just got mad, you know, I, I, it's just, it just really started getting my blood boiling because I know how poisonous dairy is. And, um, and, and I just felt this, um, calling to tell the truth that dairy is not a health food. And, and that's really, um, you know, the, the, the mission behind switch for good, um, is to, is to share this truth. Uh, so we started this campaign, uh, to share the truth that, that, that started with, uh, a commercial that we filmed with seven Olympians that aired on the closing ceremonies and also pre and post Oscars on ABC. That was our big launch. Um, Louis uh, Facios <laughs> agreed to direct it. So that was a treat too, to, uh, to, to work with him. Um, but we're going to be, this is just the beginning. So we'll, we'll be going, um, you know, long and deep with this uh, switch for good campaign. Um, you mentioned Megan Duhamel earlier. Um, she got a hold of me on Instagram after she saw the Switch for Good commercial and said, you know, I want to be a part of this too. So we're going to um, discuss that with her. We'll be, be bringing on many other 
um, plant-based athletes that not just Olympians, but ones that are in lots of other amazing sports that just don't happen to be Olympic sports. So um, yeah, stay tuned and check us out at, at switchforgood.org. And, um, and uh, there, there's a lot, a lot coming that people can jump on and share. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I know that uh, you have a website, switchforgood.org. That's the number four. Um, go ahead and check that out as well. And definitely keep in touch with us because we would love to see this thing grow and flourish. And if there's anything, Dotsie, that we can do to help facilitate that, please do not hesitate to ask. Oh, you're the best. Okay, <laughs> I will probably be taking you up on that. Thank you. Good. And you are the best for taking this time. <laughs> Oh, man. Thanks for the time. It was fun. Dotsie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Dotsie Bausch there on the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Follow on Twitter at Chuck Carroll, WLC, WLC standing for weight loss champion. Today's show, an interesting one. Got uh, some requests actually to do this because there's a lot of myths out there. Are carbs good? Are carbs bad? Should I be eating them? Should I be avoiding them? Will they uh, make me fat? Will they help me lose weight? I just don't know. And so that's why I just get a deluge of emails. And I thought to myself, good carbs versus bad carbs. This is what needs to be discussed. And that is what is being discussed today on the Exam Room Podcast. So uh, to help us decipher the good from the bad, debunk some myths, what do you need to know all about carbs? We welcome registered dietitian, nutritionist extraordinaire, Susan Levin from the Barnard Medical Center. Welcome back to the show, Susan. Thank you, Chuck. Good to be here. It is my absolute pleasure. Good carbs, bad carbs. You know as well as I do that there's just a ton of information and misinformation out there. Yes, unfortunately, a lot of misinformation because I do hear people just using the word carbohydrate to mean one thing, and it, it doesn't. And unfortunately, the one thing tends to be some kind of association with weight gain or avoiding carbs to lose weight, and it's just a really, really bad idea. So that's what I would like to clear up with people. Uh, good. And I think that um, the other reason why I really wanted to have you on the show is, as well is because you have a focus on sports nutrition. And obviously, when you hear about athletes, you always hear about carbs, carbo loading, got to get those energy levels up. So that's something that we're really going to touch on as well in just a little bit. But as we often do on the show, let's kind of start at the beginning and baby step our way through. So uh, carbs, who needs them? Why are they important? Okay, well, carbs or carbohydrates are one of the three macronutrients that we need to consume. So carbohydrate, protein, fat. And carbohydrates are probably, for most of us in our natural diet, is is, is the most abundant macronutrient, or at least it should be. Um, carbohydrates can be found in your beans, your grains, your uh, legumes, your fruits, your nuts, your seeds, like all of those foods are carbohydrate and those are the healthiest foods and we certainly don't want to be avoiding those foods and if you are, you're probably doing yourself a disservice. Um, there are though other carbohydrates that I think have um, filtered into the conversation that are just giving the whole word a bad name and that would include 
sugar. So if you're eating refined sugar, yes, that's a carbohydrate. If you're drinking a soda, you're drinking straight carbohydrate. Um, and unfortunately, I think that that is the idea that people think, oh, I'm just avoiding carbs and I'm going to lose weight and this is going to be healthier. And that's going to be a huge problem if you're avoiding fruits, grains, beans, and vegetables. And we're talking about two completely different kinds of carbs, the kind of carbs that you would get in the, the whole grains, the legumes versus the carbs that you would be drinking in a soda, I believe, complex versus simple. What's the difference there? Well, one thing about carbohydrates is that they're all made up of these um, bead-like necklaces, and these are your, your sugar molecules. And the more molecules you have stuck together, the longer your necklace, the more complex that carbohydrate. So it would kind of stand to reason that when I consume a really long necklace, if you will, it's going to take longer for my digestive tract to un unbead that necklace and put it out into my bloodstream. So it's a much slower trickle of glucose or sugar into my bloodstream, which is good. That keeps our energy level nice and stable. Um, everything's digesting slowly. I feel fuller longer. But if I'm consuming something like a soda, a pack of sugar, um, any white bread that's made with um, yeast, then that's going to digest really quickly. I don't have those long necklaces. I just have these little beads, and that's just going to go right into the bloodstream. Digested, gone. Blood sugar uh, is, is, is through the roof, possibly. And those are things you don't want to happen. I guess the simple question here has kind of already been answered. Should carbs be avoided? No. But then how? what percentage of your diet should actually be um, comprised of carbohydrates? My research for this podcast tells me it's actually a surprisingly high level, right? Sure. Sometimes I like to work the math backwards. Do how it. much? So we talked about those three macronutrients, right? Carb, protein, fat. So if I take out a 10%, 15% of my calories from fat diet, um, which is about all you need and about what, what research shows tends to lend to a more optimal health profile, mm -hmm. then that's going to leave what what's left for protein, which might be about um, 15, 20% of your calories, and then the rest carbs. So what I'm left with is like a 70, 75% of your calories from carbohydrate. Now, most people who eat um, an omnivorous diet or a non-vegetarian diet consume less than 50% of their calories from carbohydrate. Um, but as we get those animal products out, we see that, for example, when you look at just people who follow a vegan dietary pattern, on average, 55 to 60% or more, 65% or more of their calories from carbohydrate probably because they're eating a lot more fruits, vegetables, beans, and grains. Um, and if you look at cultures around the country, say traditional um, Asian diets will have even more carbohydrate in them because the staple of the diet are things like rice and vegetables. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of carbohydrate. And they do have healthier health, uh, better health outcomes as well. So arguably, again, the more carbs, the better your health outcomes. And, and that's that's so counter to what many Americans now kind of feel is like, uh, well, I if know. I want to be healthy, if I want to be skinny, I can't be eating those carbs. I know. It is it is really frustrating um, because, again, you're, you're talking about avoiding the healthiest foods. So one thing I try to use, and I don't know if it's effective, but I tell people, you know you need fiber, right? Right. Sure. 
Well, fiber is a carbohydrate. It's just an indigestible carbohydrate. Um, so if you know you need more fiber, then you know you need to be going to those carbohydrate um, foods. Again, fruits, vegetables, beans, grains. It's like a broken record. But I I try to impart the information that way. Like you need more fiber. You're not getting enough fiber. Most Americans get about half or less, a third of the fiber that they need. So if we're going to bulk that up, we're not going to get that by eating more um protein and avoiding carbohydrate, we need to be eating those high-carb foods. Um, Additionally, we know from research studies that people who consume more grains, for example, have better health outcomes. So when people... Because I I think a lot of people will say, yeah, okay, I need more fruits and vegetables, but I definitely don't need bread, and I certainly wouldn't eat grains. It's like, no, 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 no. People who eat more grains even do better, have better health um, profiles for cardiovascular disease risk, mortality risk. You do want to be eating those grains, Mm -hmm. and you want to be eating a lot of grains. People who avoid um, gluten, for example, because they think they might be gluten intolerant, but they don't know, also not doing themselves a huge favor. Uh, People who avoid gluten tend to have worse profiles, health profiles than people who do eat things like wheat and rye and barley. So I always want for people to think really clearly about why are you avoiding certain carbohydrates that are known to reduce your risk for things like diabetes, heart disease, and even death. Like, that's not a good idea. Yeah, I was actually going to touch on the diabetes thing, but that that got me to thinking. I have a friend who, and this conversation absolutely floored me. She is a trainer, um, you know, studied up on nutrition, Not does not have the credentials that you do. But I remember talking to her one day, and she told me that she doesn't eat fruit. And I'm thinking, well, this is a very healthy individual saying that she doesn't eat fruit. And I was floored by that because you always hear what fruits and vegetables fruits and vegetables and those are the healthiest things and i'm like looking at her i'm like why in the world don't you eat fruit and she's like i don't want to be fat ah okay can i grab this microphone and just i mean well just use your hands use them vigorously in the air i this is funny because when i was in graduate school um i worked in a gym as uh, behind a like a, a smoothie bar, or coffee bar. Um, this is this was in Manhattan, and I cannot tell you I, best place to be while you're in school to hear what is being imparted upon the public by trainers. So what a lot of people, affluent people, were hearing in terms of dietary advice, and it was just so wrong. And this was also when South Beach diet and sugar busters and all these diets were really popular. And I would have people come up to me, and we did vegetable juices, and we, we did it all. And they would be like, oh, I don't eat carrots, and I don't eat beets because there's too much sugar in there. God forbid fruit. <laughs> and I was, you know, and you just want to pull your hair out because you're like, do you really think that Americans are obese because we eat too many beets and too many apples? Like, I really don't think that's the problem. Right. I mean, that was just, you know, before I was even um, really into my studies. But it just sounded bad. Why, and why do you think that? And then why do you want a scoop of this whey protein that has 60 grams of protein in it? Well, my trainer told me. That's what I should be consuming. And then after, you know, I worked there for years, nobody's weight got better that was following this advice. Nobody was ever happy. People were always, you know, still trying. And sometimes they would get bigger. It's like, of course you're getting bigger. You're eating what your trainer who can press 300 pounds of, I don't know what you call it. But, you you know, this is not the diet for someone who wants to get toned and at an optimal weight. 
Anyway, it was so frustrating. But yes, I I would just roll my eyes and like, please have a seat. Let me talk to you about fruit and let me talk to you about vegetables. Um, let me talk to you about a profile of a diet that actually lends to heart disease risk, diabetes risk. It isn't this. It isn't this stuff. Um, it's it's the the fat you're getting in your meat, in your dairy, uh, the eggs, the cholesterol, the saturated fat. Um, it was uh, you just want to beat your head on a nice padded wall, but um, padded wall. You're you're kinder. Isn't that why these are padded? Yes, so exactly. When you ask me these questions, <laughs> does it hurt when I beat my head up against it? I mean, it, at some point, you would have to think that common sense would kick in. You know, even when I was still 420 pounds, if you were to tell me that eating fruit uh, was unhealthy, I would look at you cockeyed. I'd be like, no. Yeah. You have no idea what you're talking about. Right. It's like my diet currently is not healthy. I know that for a fact. If I were to replace, you know, my $20 a day Taco Bell habit with, you know, two Honeycrisp apples, I'd be in a much better way. Yeah. 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 Common sense. I Common sense is huge. I mean, I really do. I have degrees and I read medical journals. But at the end of the day, I'm like that just makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. why do I have a job? Because mm-hmm. all of this stuff really makes sense. And I really feel like if we just – did what our common sense and even some of our cues, you know, innate cues tell us. And when we look at other primates or what what are they eating? It's like, oh, we just eat plants. We eat as much as of the plants as we want. You don't, you know, biologically we aren't born with a scale to weigh what we're eating. We just, we eat what comes naturally to us. And if it's good food, the outcomes will be good. You know, my background as a reporter kind of, teaches me to be skeptical about everything. And so I would encourage people to kind of put on their cub reporter hats whenever you're talking um, at the gym with a friend, reading a blog online, um, even if it's something from the physician's committee. And obviously our, our information is good. It's been vetted. But look at everything skeptically. Question it. Do your own research and you will reach the same conclusions that we have here at the Physicians Committee. That's that's why I bring that up. You mm-hmm. know, our information is absolutely good. It's accurate. It has been scientifically proven. Um, but I, I, again, if somebody tells you don't eat fruit, but take that big old thing of whey protein that's got a slew of calories in it and a ton of protein that you don't really even need. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. Come on, man. Come I know, on, I know. On. Yeah, I know. And even here, it, as opinionated as I am, and I sound because I am, everything we write and that we put on our website and out to the public is referenced. Yeah. It's just, and we try to keep yeah. our opinions out of it as much as possible. Yeah. And just, here's what this study said. Here's what this study said. Here's what this study said. And if you want to go, and you can, find the study online and see, uh, was it a good study? Was it a big study? then do that. I encourage that. I Mm -hmm. encourage skepticism too. I do that all the time. I look at studies that I like that outcome, but you know what? I'm going to look and see how big was that study? Who did that study? Who funded that study? Just just to make sure um, that satisfies all my criteria and PCRM's criteria for what is good research. And that's just it. And here's a little pro tip for you. Uh, If you don't have access to medical journals, go on a little something called Google Scholar. And uh, you can uh, really access a lot of that stuff um, free of charge. So uh, do your own research, and I believe that you will reach some very interesting conclusions. Uh, Caveat being, be sure to also look at who's funding said study and uh, where it was done. Just saying. Uh, Back on track here. 
took a little yeah, detour. Uh, we were talking about diabetes and sugar from fruit. And mm-hmm. so the, the question then is, uh, can carbs cause diabetes? Because that's mm-hmm. another thing that people are like, oh, <laughs> eat the carb, going to get the betas. Yeah. Um, there's been some really good research to uh, show that that is not the cause. Um, I think, I think you know, when Dean Ornish did his heart disease studies, one side effect he found is was that his participants' insulin became more sensitive. Um, and that was a heart disease, right? He's looking at the heart, but that was, oh, here's something to look into further. And uh, Dr. Neil Barnard did look into that further. He, he did an NIH-funded study that compared um, a – Ornish-like diet, it was free of animal products, low in fat, to ingest the diet this time. He did not look at lifestyle the way Ornish did, which meant some mild meditation, um, a little bit of exercise. No, we, we took all that out, just the diet, and compared it to the standard recommendations at the time by the American Diabetes Association. And uh, the outcomes kind of proved what, what was suspected, which is once you clean the diet and we did this study on um, people who had type 2 diabetes and, and compared the diets, uh, randomized control. So once you cleaned out the diet, you got the fat out. If you get the animal products out, that's pretty much a lot of the fat, definitely most of the saturated fat. And then if you say, you know, we're not going to be drowning everything in oil, which we did, um, so they did that as well, then they're eating about a 10 to 15% of their calories from fat diet. Mm-hmm. And once that fat was out of the diet, that means it's getting out of the cells. And I'm not talking about your the, the visceral fat that's, you know, hanging over your pants. I'm talking about the fat in your – so anybody, a thin person, could have fat in their cells. Sure. Um, and once that was decreased, uh, the insulin that you're – as a type – someone with type 2 diabetes, you have insulin. The insulin starts to work better. So it's taking the glucose out of your blood and getting it into the cell because no longer is that fat there saying, nope, we're all full, no more, nothing's coming in here. It's going to stay out in the blood, which is not where you want it. So we proved, in essence, at least we have a pretty good theory that once the fat is out, insulin works, type 2 diabetes symptoms go away. Um, What was happening prior to that, and there have been multiple studies now showing the same thing. But prior to that, the theory was, well, we don't exactly know what's causing this, so let's just go ahead and not put a lot of glucose in your blood because mm. your cells aren't taking mm-hmm. it up and you don't want it in your blood, so let's just not even eat, basically, or just really limit the amount of glucose that you're eating. So we weren't treating the cause. We were patching the symptoms. And, of course, that just meant a slower progression of the disease. Whereas when you treat the cause... You flip it around, right? You you are not having a slow progression. You're you're backtracking. You're reversing, and and every you know you don't die of diabetes. You die of complications from diabetes, meaning uh, much increased risk, much more increased risk for heart disease and cancer. So we're taking away that increased risk for those, and we're also taking away uh, symptoms such as um, blurred vision, neuropathy, and kidney function uh, or kidney disease. And if you're getting all those aspects of your health back, wow, and and what a motivation to really stick to something. And and again, medications – which are not taking medications, also a huge motivator, rolling back the prescriptions, if not eliminating those medications, is a really, really big deal to people with diabetes. I want to, I want to throw a stat 
at you. Um, and it says that um, this is something I believe it was published in the British Medical Journal. Uh, a 10% decrease in carbs led to a 5% increase in the risk of developing heart disease. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's what you're – when you're avoiding carbohydrate – you're putting the focus on those other two macronutrients, protein and fat, and that is not going to be a friend to mm-hmm. your heart. No. And I know that another thing that I found uh, in my vast notes that I did here, um, uh, what was it? If um, replacing 5% of animal protein with vegetable protein, including carbohydrates, mind you, like potatoes and whole grains, uh, participants in that particular study experienced a decreased diabetes risk of 20 those are hard numbers. Yeah. Again, that's that's a peer-reviewed study uh, that uh, these are just undisputed facts. And, oh, yeah. And, and yet you, you still have diets out there like Atkins, all these low-carb diets that have been, again, linked to an increased risk of death. These are all the range. So people then who haven't done the research may simply ask the question you know why aren't diets like the atkins diet healthy if they are in fact losing weight i think that because they do lose weight initially that's kind of a hard thing to kind of comprehend like skinny doesn't mean healthy per se exactly it does not and losing weight losing weight will change some of your numbers for the better that will happen but after a while, it starts to plateau and level out, and you're just bombarding your body with things that are not healthful, and you're mm-hmm. avoiding the things that are. Mm. So, yes, of course, if you're following what whatever trendy diet that, again, doesn't really follow common sense, um, you have to look at the picture holistically, and you have to say, yes, I might be losing weight. You know, newsflash, you could eat – 1500 calories worth of Twinkies a day and lose weight. But what are you doing in terms of your risk for heart disease, diabetes, um, cancer, physical performance? I mean, there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes down the drain at the at the benefit, quote unquote, of losing weight. Um, there's just there's more to this picture than just being thin. How are you, you going to eat 1500 calories worth of Twinkies in a day? I mean, that takes a commitment. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you got to sit down with a box of Twinkies every day, and Hostess will thank you greatly for that. Oh, yeah. But I, Someone did this. Someone actually did a, a, a study on himself where he only ate Twinkies to prove that you could lose weight just by eating Twinkies. But again, it's a calorie deprivation situation, and it is not a health profile that you want. It's not sustainable. Uh, I, uh, j- no. I, I mean, you want to talk about, like, a lack of nutrient density. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I, would, I would think that that thing's just in the negatives as far as nutrient benefits. You, I hope he was supplementing. I mean, my God. What, 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 you would need to fortify that Twinkie with like every – like two times the amount of stuff that they throw into total to even come close to getting what your body needs. Oh, I'm yeah. not a big fan of fortification, mind you. But it's a, it's a Twinkie. I know. It's a Twinkie. I know. Come I mean, on. I think he was proving a point. I'm not sure what the point was, but the point I got was that, yes, you can do pretty much any stupid thing to lose weight, but is it going to lend to a desirable health outcome in the end? Mm. I don't think so. Mm. Uh, I will tell you this much. Uh, the effect of carbs on a lifespan is very much positive. Yes, yes. The more carbs you consume, um, the better your um, 
or the reduced risk you have for dying prematurely. So again, these carbohydrate foods, whole grains, beans, fruits and vegetables, these are the foods that are protective of, against disease. These are your carb-rich foods. These, this is what you want your nutrient profile to look like. Yeah, I think uh, as I'm reading this, uh, Harvard researchers studied more than 118,000 men and women. Got it both covered. Uh, 25-year study. I mean, that's that's the study that's got some legs right there. Uh, a whole grain diet uh, rich in carbs was associated with a, quote, 5% lower risk for death in general and a 9% lower risk of death specifically from heart, heart disease. disease. Yeah. Isn't that something? I mean, this, again, it's that fiber. It's that soluble an insoluble fiber that is going to protect you from disease. Um, yeah, and these are great. Harvard has these never-ending studies with physicians and health professionals. Um, they they have very interesting outcomes. So uh, you always want to look and see what they're finding in those studies. All right there, Sporty Spice. Uh, you, you do have the background there. So uh, talking athletics, should athletes actually be eating more carbs than, you know, sedentary Joe? Well, Carb, yes. I'm going to say yes and no here. Everyone should be eating a high-carb diet. Okay. Um, but an athlete almost has no choice then to have a sustainable athletic, either a career as a professional athlete or just an ongoing, successful um physical activity profile if you're you know just like me i don't i run a few miles every day but nothing crazy but yeah the if you're if your diet i don't mean crazy in a bad way but if your diet is mostly carbohydrate and again people who follow a vegan dietary pattern are going to be much higher than those happens who don't. naturally it's, happens like, it's naturally. impossible not to have higher carbohydrate intake when you're vegan when you're yeah you're eating plants so um yes so it's the primary fuel for fueling an athlete is carbohydrate. And if you are the kind of athlete who works out multiple hours in a day, so maybe you're training, even if you're just temporarily training for a marathon, um, you have got to make sure that you've got your glycogen stores going, that you're optimizing the storage of glucose, which is glycogen, um, because that's going to make you an even more efficient, more successful athlete. So absolutely, carbohydrates have to be the primary fuel for an athlete. All right. So we're going to link off to all of those studies up on pcrm.org slash podcast. We're going to give you all the scientific data there. Again, encourage you to go out there, do your own research, look it up. Uh, don't just take our word for it. Uh, what? Who used to say that? LeVar Burton. Wasn't that on Reading Rainbow? But you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, anyway, uh, so that's that. We're going to come back in just a second. Uh, we're going to talk about how you can identify, if common sense isn't your thing, uh, how, <laughs> how you can tell if you're about to eat a good carb versus a bad carb, what should be in your shopping cart. And uh, we're going to play a game called uh, Bad, Better, Best. We're going to give you a simple carb that you should avoid. We're going to tell you how to make it better. And then we're going to give you uh, uh, an even better, the best way to turn that simple carb into something that your body will say, hey, thank you. Sounds fun. Yeah, it is. This is the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. 
Welcome back to the exam room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. The weight loss champion Chuck Carroll here with you. Give the show a follow on Twitter. The Physicians Committee, as a matter of fact, just give them a follow on Twitter at PCRM. Then hop on Facebook, if you dare, uh, and give us a like there as well. Just search for PCRM there and uh, give us a like. Lots of good information there. Break it down. uh, Do some research. Enjoy the show. Good carbs, bad carbs. That is the topic du jour today. And uh, we just learned a lot about what is a carb. Is it good? Is it bad? Should we be eating them? The overwhelming consensus is yes. And uh, I agree with registered dietitian, nutritionist, and all-around good person, Susan Levin from upstairs, the Barnard Medical Center. She's still with us. Susan, the next question is... Because now we know what the difference is between a good carb and a bad carb, and we know that we should be eating them. How can we tell if what we're about to eat is a good carb and a bad carb? Mm. Close your eyes. Picture you're in a grocery store. You're going down the aisle. And I'm not talking about Whole Foods, which has better food. They're healthier food. I'm talking about going to your local run-of-the-mill grocery store Mm. where – People tend not to shop in the perimeter where all the fresh stuff is, and they're right in the middle of the store. How can you tell if it's a good carb or if it's a bad carb? Okay. Well, I think you kind of nailed it on the head there. Just the simple way is, are you on the perimeter? If it is in the produce aisle and it is not packaged or labeled, (laughs) probably a good carb. So Mm -hmm. all your fruits and your vegetables um, that are right there are going to be high carb foods, and if you can see it and you can name it, and it's one thing, good carb. Mm-hmm. Same goes for the uh, um, dried grains, the dried beans. No labels, no packaging. One ingredient, good carb. Um, true as well for things that are packaged, and again have one ingredient like black beans, or at least you can read the ingredients. It's a can of black beans. Um, it's 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 a, a box of quinoa or whatever. Those are all going to be good carbs. But what you a, a really good trick, I think, is when you look at the ingredients and you do want to make sure that it's a fairly whole food. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be uh, because it is only one ingredient or because it's minimal list of ingredients. It doesn't have added sugars to it. If it's an added sugar, um, then that means you've just been um, bad carbed, (laughs) to to put it simply. They're adding um, whatever it is. It can be any kind of uh, syrup. It could be, you know, uh, corn syrup or or barley syrup or any kind of sugar that um, gives it more flavor. That's going to be your added sugar. And even on a nutrition facts label, that's different than sugars. Mm -hmm. It's added sugars. And you can really drill it down when you look at the ingredient list. Are you including natural sugars like stevia and things like that? I mean, those don't really have any calories, so it's hard to put them in the classification of a carbohydrate. Um, My only caution with things like um, artificial sweeteners is that it there is some research to show that it makes people crave really sweet, artificially sweet things. Mm-hmm. Like how do you get that high of a sweet that you get from stevia unless you um, eat sugar? So it can make people crave sugar more and then go for the sugary foods. But otherwise, probably I wouldn't put it on the list. I think that that's something that a lot of people may not realize going back to that ingredients list is that 
yeah, you, you can get those prepackaged foods that still fall under the good carb thing. I was just telling you earlier today about dehydrated beets that I found um, in, mm-hmm. in a grocery store, and that's literally all it is. It's it's one thing on the ingredients list, beets. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I never had a dehydrated beet in my life, but I picked it up on a whim, and I'm, I'm like – where has this been all my life? Yeah, I'm really excited about this. So oh, yeah, that's a good carb. I, I, I'll, I'll bring that in. And so again, common sense, you look at the, the ingredients list and you know it's always in like the finest of fine print. Mm-hmm. And if those ingredients take up half the label, then that kind of tells you all I need to know. Right. That's kind of my cutoff. But as somebody that's gone to school and has studied this and preaches it day in and day out, do you have a cutoff uh, when it comes to that? Like, is there a list where you're like, man, that's just too long? Uh, or does it really just all depend on what's on said list? It really depends on what's on said list. Because I've picked up, for example, a whole grain sprouted grain bread that you know is so healthy and it's heavy as a brick because it has 18 different grains wedged in there somehow so that's fine with me but when it starts to tap into my recollections of greek and latin roots of the english language <laughs> then i start to get a little nervous and oh this reminds me of organic chemistry because i'm think- seeing um suffixes like os on the end of things and then I know someone has used chemistry to make this taste the way it does and then I might avoid that. That's a good rule of thumb. Suffixes. That's the first time that word has been mentioned on this show, huh? On this podcast, Nutrition right. and English. I, I like it, man. We are full service. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. What's a preposition, I Susan? love grammar. I would love to talk about grammar sometime. But... If we can figure out a way to weave that in with oh, nutrition, then, then by all means. Um the density, what you were just talking about with bread kind of reminds me, Lee Crosby upstairs, your colleague, um, another dietitian, she she was kind enough recently to make my wife brownies. And these were black bean brownies with raspberries. And I'm telling you, like she cut them up into little squares. This thing was so dense. One little square, I'm talking like maybe a third of the size of the palm of my hand, heavier than a five-gallon jug of water. <laughs> I, I mean, it was just, like, it was unbelievable, it's this like thing. It's fudge density. It, it, fudge, but yeah. Or yeah. maybe fudge is bean density. I don't know. But, yeah, it's those black bean brownies are unbelievably fudge-like. Yeah. I mean, un- unreal. Um, you're a mother. So when you go shopping, I'm sure that you scrutinize uh, things that you put in your cart. Uh, maybe there's some concessions there. But do you have, like, a, a fatal five that you just refuse to eat, like – uh, do you have a five worst carb list or five worst foods that I think it'd be broad like chips. We'll just throw all of that into one particular category. Yeah, I think um, I'm no angel. I'm certainly not perfect, but avoiding. Yes, I avoid. I can't help it if it falls on me, but I will avoid. In fact, I never drink and I, and I really don't let um, my plan is not to let my son have soda. Mm-hmm. I don't drink any kind of soda. Um, I don't let him have juice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, there's some occasion where he, someone hands him a juice box, and as long as it's 100%, it's like, ugh, okay. But um, normally I don't want him to have a taste for that because I know all he needs is water. I'd rather him just have water. Even fresh squeezed, I'm assuming? Like we're not talking about oh. pasteurized or anything like that? Um, yeah, it's not that I wouldn't let him have – I prefer the fresh squeeze. It's not that I wouldn't – and I have let him have that, but I don't want it to be like a daily right. – thing for him because I want him to want water. Right. Um, I don't do straight sugar or I avoid straight sugar, mm-hmm. I should say, added to things. Um, so that would then eliminate 
pastries like cakes and cookies. And of course, I avoid all anything that has animal products in it. Sure. Sure. Uh, what about the, the good carb go-tos? I mean, I assume that we've kind of touched on them, but uh, just for yeah. uh, reiteration there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be really broad here because I'm sure. super boring. Can you can you come up with five for me? Yes. We love a good but list. You, this is not going to be surprising to you, and you're going to roll your eyes. It's fruits, <laughs> vegetables, ugh, whole grains, mm-hmm. beans, and a small amount of nuts or seeds. Mm. Is there a particular bean that you like more than more than another? Is there a particularly yes. healthy bean? Particularly healthy? It's not that. I mean, there are. It depends on the profile. Something really rich in antioxidants, black beans, right? Because more color means more antioxidants, um, more dark color. But I am such a huge lentil person because I really feel like whenever I'm recommending something to someone, whether it's uh, you need more. Um, micronutrients eat lentils i feel like i always go to lentils you don't digest beans well eat lentils they're Mm. small you don't have time to cook make lentils they cook quickly so i feel like lentils kind of fit my every need and a lot of my patients needs because any excuse they give me lentils i'm telling man and i'm telling you that is something i discovered when i went to the plant-based diet is like i had spent you know like 45 minutes at a time making rice and and then i discovered lentils i'm like man Right? What? What? Come on! Why is this being kept a secret? Like this is yeah. this is not fair to the good, hardworking people of America. They need to know about lentils. Lentils. Come I on. know. I am. I just yeah. Red lentils. It's it's the fastest food I think you could make. And if you're willing to, you know, and right like you said, rice. You need about forty five minutes. Well, how about couscous or polenta? You need two, three minutes. It's just like lentils. And uh, some kind of grain, and you got it. It's like nature's instant, like right away yes. kind of thing. Yes, right? you don't no excuses. To, no parboiling that ahead of time. No, and that's parboiled. what that instant is. It's parboiled and then dehydrated, boys and girls. Yeah. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, look at that, huh? <laughs> Bringing a little knowledge to the table. Let's end uh, with a little game called uh, Bad, Better, Best. So uh, what we have here is a list of carbs that you're going to want to limit. And then my challenge to you, Susan, is to come up with a way to make it a, quote, smarter carb and then the super ultra deluxe healthy way to do it Mm -hmm. okay so we can take it from not so good to pretty good to oh my goodness gracious you're gonna live forever uh so let's start with everybody loves candy 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 not the best carb in the world how can you make it uh, a little bit smarter what's a good alternative well so candy to me is just straight sugar you just want that sugar fix right we'll try dehydrated fruit like mm-hmm. raisins because you, you've taken out the water and you're just getting kind of that that natural sugar rush mm-hmm. that would be my next choice yeah and we can take it a step further than and if that. i could take it a step further grapes because that's just the raisin but it's has not been dehydrated so you actually get that water weight in the grape and the water weight will make you feel even more full than so you can eat you know 20 grapes but you can eat 100 raisins right so right. the water weight helps so when a food is dehydrated, it's not necessarily stripped of its uh, nu- nutritious properties. Mm-mm, not at all. You're just losing the water, and so you'll tend to eat more. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe because, well, I mean, you can, you can fit, what, like 100 raisins in your palm compared to 10 grapes? Exactly. So, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Human nature is going to take over. Uh, soda. We talked about that. That's that's no good. So uh, give me a better option. Well, as you mentioned, um, fruit juice, like a, a 100% fruit juice would mm-hmm. be – a f- much better alternative than soda or 
or those, you know, punches or mm-hmm. I don't want to call any brand names. but Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we can take that a step further. And with that, uh, the zero calorie seltzer mixed with just a little bit of juice. So if you th- throw in uh, 100% juice. Get your plain seltzer water, put in a little bit of orange juice, and you've got this sparkling, orange, delightful summer drink. It's pretty good. Uh, I've always been a fan of, of just the seltzer with the lime. I mean, like, it's, yes, it's super refreshing. Yeah. It, it is. Like, yeah. you don't want your kid to have juice. You don't want them to develop that kind of taste. But what about a drink like that that's not soda, that's got natural sugars in it from the lime, and yeah. it's water? Is that yeah. is that cool? That's cool. Even flat water, like some kids don't, ha- depending on their age, don't have a taste for the carbonation. It's mm-hmm. too harsh for them. So even flat water with a twist of lime, cucumber. I don't. Have you ever tried cucumber sliced I up do, in your? I'm, I'm, <gasps> I'm, I'm just no. Interesting. No. Okay. No, not my water. Okay. I, I like my cucumbers and I like my water, <laughs> but they don't need to be do married. Not no. No. Do that salad no. water. No, thing. we we, okay. we need to separate vegetables and, and water here. Uh, white bread. We man. I mean, I remember talking to Dr. Barnard about this a couple of weeks ago. You eat white bread, man. Your blood sugar just goes yeah. Yeah. through the roof. So definitely something to avoid there. Yeah, because of the, all the, the it's made with yeast, which makes it puffy and holy, and that's going to digest much quicker. So a real whole wheat bread, not just not just white bread dyed with caramel, by the way, read, mm-hmm. read the ingredients, but a real whole wheat bread would be better. And even better is that 10-pound, 18-grain sprouted thing that you can buy. That's even better. Um, enriched pasta, that's kind of the same as the bread. We kind of go down that. Uh Let's let's get to a specific type of candy, cotton candy. You know, you, you go to the carnival coming up here in the summer. I mean, that's that's a staple right there, yeah. cotton candy. Yeah, that's spun sugar, right? Yeah. And, um, one alternative is something that at least has a food in it. So you could do a candied apple. Mm-hmm. You can even make candied apples at home with things that aren't so bad, like a date paste on top instead yeah. of caramel. Um, but even better, guess. <laughs> An get, apple. What a concept. I know. You just said date paste. Um, you know what I looked up recently? Uh, I had a craving just out of nowhere. For child, I was a, such a huge fan of strawberry milk. I mean, a lot of kids oh, yeah. like yeah, chocolate yeah, yeah. milk. But I found a way to do this super healthy and super easy. So you, you've, you've got your almond milk or whatever plant-based milk you want to use, really. And then you take some dates. You put them in a little bit of boiling water uh, with uh, some strawberries, and you kind of boil that down, and you get a a nice little Uh, syrup there, right? Let me write this down. And then so you kind of puree that, and then you add the milk to it, and you blend it all up. You've got yourself strawberry milk. Wow. So so it's all heated up. Then you got to, you know chill it down but i'm telling you especially if you let it you know all the flavors marinate there for a day you take that yeah. out of the fridge the next day oh wow that's heaven yeah that sounds that's, amazing okay i'm, I'm telling Done. you super easy all you got to do like it takes like five minutes to make make that concoction so yeah do it uh speaking of strawberries that's uh at the uh spoiler alert that's at the very end of the best choices here uh so let's let's walk from chocolate chip cookie to strawberry yeah uh how, yeah. how do we do that how do you do that with a lot of willpower? So, yeah, right. <laughs> chocolate chip cookie. You know, I actually do make a chocolate chip cookie recipe that is a little better. It, I put it's got more oats than flour, and I use some walnuts, 
um, a little bit of chocolate chip and maple syrup instead of sugar. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. I actually call them this. You can edit this out. I call them my colon blow cookies because they really look like Saturday Night Live reference. Yes, love it. You remember? Okay, someone who's I'm right there with you. Okay, um, Phil Hartman, man, he was the best. But yeah, this cookie that just looks like fiber, <laughs> but it's really good. And yeah. even my three year old likes the dough, and there's no raw egg in there, so the dough is safe. And he he loves the cookies, so I feel like I'm I'm doing something right there. Um, but yes, if you are um, an amazing person, then just have fruit. Fruit is very sweet, and it makes an amazing dessert. That's something I'm working on with uh, with my wife. I'll just throw her under the bus here. She knows I love her. Uh, so, uh, you know, she's – man, that that poor woman. She's got a sweet tooth on her. You know you know my wife. Well, yeah, she is a wonderful woman. Uh, she, she is the absolute best. I wouldn't have married her uh, if she was not, you know, just, just the salt of the earth. But – uh, I mean, that girl loves her uh-huh. some sugar. Thus the black bean brownies. And you know what else you can do? Mm. You can make chocolate chip cookies. Careful now. With uh, uh, white beans. And the color variation, because it just looks weird otherwise. But right. you can do mix white beans, and instead of oils and eggs, you add that into the cookie batter. Huh. Uh, yeah. You can make cookie dough out of white beans. All right. I'm not kidding. All right. We're going to swap recipes. Google it. Strawberry milk for white bean brownies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last but not least, a breakfast staple. I know that uh, I was as guilty as anybody of eating this stuff growing up, and those are the cereals that are just chocked full of sugar. I mean, it's like sugar might as well be the first ingredient on that box. So those breakfast cereals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. Take take me. Get me me to a healthy place. So – Better cold cereals are out there, so you just want to, again, read the ingredient list, make sure it has some fiber in it, not added sugar, and those could be brand cereals, um, high-fiber cereals, uh, grape nuts, things like that, muesli. Um, so your best choice, though, is a whole grain, like a rolled oat, mm. um, a rice cereal. You can make any grain into a hot cereal in the morning. It's delicious. Okay. You know, oatmeal, they do have those instant oatmeal packets. You they can do. get those done in, you know, like 30 seconds. <laughs> Just don't add all the sugar and stuff that comes with no. them, you know? No, do raisins. Yeah. It's Banana. Wrong with the raisin or yeah. a date? I, I've, I've discovered the, yes. the love of dates recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just unbelievable. They're powerful. I'm telling you, that strawberry milk recipe opened my eyes to the date. <laughs> Susan Levin, uh, you are an absolute joy to have on this program. So we're going to put up this chart uh, with all of these foods and how to improve of them, the bad, better, best list. Uh, We're going to put that up, pcrm.org slash podcast, uh, along with your your top five and and the links to all of the different studies that we've talked about today. So thank you for bringing a bunch of knowledge and your credentials to the table today, Susan. Thank you, Chuck. It was a pleasure. This is The Exam Room brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Well, thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Susan. You know, in our research studies, there are many people who come in to lose weight or tackle diabetes, and some of them have heard this carbs are the devil message, and they can't get it out of their heads. And I have to say that those people who say, well, I'll go vegan, but I think I need to avoid the carbs too, those people, to the extent that they are avoiding carbohydrate foods, those people do the worst. They do the worst. The people who can't get this idea out of their head that carbs are poison, they tend to do the worst. Now, having said that, and while I do think you should avoid the fad about low-carb diets, it really is true, as Susan mentioned, there are good ones and there are not-so-good ones. It really is true, cookies and cakes and pies and all that stuff, not good. 
Um, but fruits, whole grains, healthy beans, those good sweet potatoes, that's good healing food. So enjoy the good cars. Enjoy the good health. Thanks. Thanks.